It was a time when pro wrestling was a pop culture phenomenon. Talk about your songs, talk about John 316. Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. Pay-per-view quality matches live on free TV every Monday night. Monday, July 6th. Back at the battle between WCW Monday Nitro and WWF Monday Night Raw. It's me, Austin! Oh, son of a bitch! What? It's me, Austin! It was me all along, Austin! This is Reliving the War with Simon Tackler and Nims Azul. You can call this the new world order of wrestling, brother! Welcome, everyone, to another edition of Reliving the War. We're going back to back at season three. And we are right in the midst of WCW Road Wild. And all I got to say, Simon, this is the last Road Wild that uh, is in existence. We've covered four, this being the fourth one. And all I can say is, thank God. Thank God it's over. Road Wild, (laughs) Hog Wild, whatever you want to call it, in Sturgis. We won't miss watching these shows back. I don't think there's a single road or hog wild that I would ever want to watch back. Uh, so many weird things. The fact that it's in front of a crowd who doesn't care. The fact that half of the show is, you know, in the bright sun and you can barely see anything. Just terrible shows. This is the final one. And mm. it's always funny when um, someone is overconfident and it's, you know, like the beginning of the end. So the tagline for this show, which would be, you know, the the final road wild, the tagline was it'll take more than attitude to ride out to ride oh. out here. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Settle down. It'll take Settle more down. than attitude. Uh how did that work out for you? <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you know what? Good on Ed Eric Bischoff though. I love that Eric Bischoff took those cheap shots and mm. stuff like that because we saw later when he went to the WWE, he was more than happy to take those receipts. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> but yeah, look, Road Wild, we haven't seen any of these Sturgis episodes. In fact, if you cherry pick the best moments of Road Wild, I think it's basically Hogan winning the title in 96, isn't it? And that's basically it. Probably, yeah. That that might be the biggest moment in Road and- Wild history. We understand, yes, there was the Jay Leno thing, but you can't really call it a highlight. It's, <laughs> yeah, enough said. But let's get into Road Wild 1999. Uh, Hogan's champ, we see the in the little video package, the transition from Wolfpack Hogan back to the red and yellow Hogan. It's Hogan, Sting, and Goldberg at this point in time aligned together against Nash, Rick Steiner, and Sid. I got to be honest with you, Simon. The first time I watched it, when I, because I didn't have Foxtel growing up, this is peak. 1999 15-year-old Nims watching WCW International Monday Nitro on Channel 9 after Nightline. Here's what I've realized, though, since I'm no longer 15 and it's no longer after the late news on Channel 9. When you condense an episode of 99 WCW Nitro into basically 40 minutes, pretty good episode. When you watch it in its entirety, oh, it's a dog's breakfast. Oh, it is hard to watch any of this back in full. This pay-per-view was tough. And you're seeing it there in that recap video. What you just said sounds like someone just jumbled up some names, put them into, you know, WWE 2K in <laughs> universe. What What do you mean, like, Kevin Nash is with Rick Steiner and Sid? Like, what is going on at this point in time? They were just trying anything, just yeah. anything. Like, when did Nash turn into a heel again? What is going on? I have no idea anymore. Yeah, and when did Rick Steiner all of a sudden decide, you know what, Seagull's push. That's a good idea for him. I tried this again in a couple of years at the end of (laughs) WCW. we got to stop this with Rick Steiner. He really is the weak link once they break up. (laughs) But yeah, we are back at Sturgis again. And it is, it's, I, I thought it was less rowdy than previous years. The crowd seemed to be a little bit more into the wrestling. But at the same time, the, the commentary team is once again ridiculously dressed and they stop down for what seems to be 20 minutes when it's actually probably like four. 
Yeah, this was weird. You're right about the crowd, though. I noticed that trip too. I tried looking it up, you know, what was different, but it felt like a different vibe. It felt more family friendly as mm. opposed to, you know, completely hammered bikers who don't know what they're looking at. Um, <laughs> yeah, and yeah, the, the announced team, they all look completely hammered as well. Uh, Mike Tanay actually looked the coolest, I thought, yeah. <laughs> in his denim outfit. Tony Schiavone, though. Sounds like he was up the night before. His voice was gone through this whole mm. show. He also looked like like it also also looked like Dave Penzer st um, stole his wardrobe from the previous uh, Road Wild because <laughs> the weird thing that these guys have with leather vests in in WW ninety I don't know what it is, but um yeah we have the usual stop down with the commentary team. It's ridiculously dressed, but hey, look at least uh, maybe it's through Stockholm Syndrome and brute force, but somehow the Sturgis crowd isn't as indifferent as they were. And we get our first recap, one of many, about Vampire on Raven versus the Filthy Animals. Uh, they're not called the Filthy Animals yet. We're just seeing the... Did you find it amusing, though? Um, So it's a temporary... It's it's the seeds of the alliance between Rey Mysterio and, um, and Eddie Guerrero, which obviously would be fleshed out much much more in wwe and also much better but i love how scott hudson on the nitro commentary is like that's ray mysterio's best friend it's like is it yeah like is they really? haven't liked each other on tv at all up to this point hmm. so bizarre so bizarre and also nothing says wrestling in 1999 like the insane clown posse <laughs> I know the, inc the insane clown posse with Vampiro. Is this the first time we're seeing him on a show? I, I wrote it is. I wrote that down. First Vampiro appearance on pay per view. Mm. Uh, plus, we, uh, plus, like I said, we also see ICP for the first time in WCW. Mm -hmm. Yep, ICP jumping from the WWE to WCW. You know, one of the big coups for WCW getting the <laughs> ICP away from WWE. <laughs> So here's the weird thing. It's literally Vampiro and the ICP with Raven. Mm. So Raven is the non-wrestler in this match. He's the manager out of Vampiro and the Insane Clown Posse mm. uh, up against Kidman, Eddie Guerrero, and Rey Mysterio. Now, so all three men start off and they kind of get rid of the ICP, leaving Vampiro doing a lot of the heavy lifting for his team. But um, this match started off with a banger like surprisingly i know it's i know that we we basically shut all over the icp being in this match but they managed to hold their own because they are wrestling fans but they they sort of know their they knew their role oh yeah i will say i was kind of shocked by the icp in terms of in ring this wasn't the worst match and look they're in there with eddie guerrero Rey mysterio and kidman so they've <laughs> and got vampiro some, and vampiro when, like when he gave a shit <laughs> Vampiro, when he still like moved fast and wasn't just, you know, staring into the distance. Uh, sometimes he would look like he just didn't care and like wasn't really paying attention. But yeah, I don't mm. understand why Raven was with them. He felt tacked on. But the match wasn't as bad as you'd think. The only problem was the glare in this match was so bad, you could barely see anything. Like it, yeah. you would have wanted to put sunglasses on to watch this uh, on TV. I just the my note after great teamwork by the filthy animals um is <laughs> Mike Tanay does a great live read on ICP's upcoming uh appearance on the WCW Mayhem CD. The man's a pro. He does. He pushes that they're going to be on Mayhem. He pushes that you know you oh you'd have to really track down their music because radio refuses to play them. He did a whole <laughs> bit about their music. He mentioned that Vampiro has a background in music and he might be on tour with the ICP playing mm -hmm. bass guitar for them. Um, I tried looking up his musical history. I'll be honest, I couldn't find much. But uh, yeah. I'll, I'll take today's word for it. What's funny is, if you're like, trying to look up, you look up the ICP's wrestling history, plenty comes up. <laughs> Try to look up Raven's music history, nothing comes up. You're not going to find much. Uh, I will <laughs> say, it was good to see Eddie Guerrero back, though. Um, he had the car accident. Uh, New Year's Eve 98, I guess, going into 99. He's back here. He looks awesome. And the crowd was into him right away. We had the Eddie chance. And I want to highlight Bobby Heenan's commentary. This was a good night for him. And he's always a fan of Eddie Guerrero when Eddie's in mm. the ring. Bobby Heenan goes out of his way to like highlight how good 
uh, Eddie is and, oh, you know, he never misses a move. Look how smooth he is, blah, blah, blah. Uh, yeah. Bobby Heenan in WCW, I still think underrated. Very much so. Yeah. When he when he's on, he's on. And we'll see that a little bit later on in the main event too because he's always true to the Bobby Heenan character, yeah. which I absolutely love. Um, so we get a bit of interference from uh, Raven. As you mentioned, Simon, like Eddie is getting so much support from these bikies. Like these redneck bikies love themselves uh, some Eddie Guerrero. But uh, Raven in- interferes as Vampiro spikes Ray with the nail in the coffin to the outside. The Deadpool sort of isolate Ray as well um, before before he's back in the ring with Shaggy 2-Dope. Kidman then ends it with the shooting star press uh, as Eddie and Ray pull out the best of Vampiro and Violent J. It's a great match to start the show. Inoffensive. And it was a good way to sort of ease everyone into things. Yeah, definitely not a bad match. Uh, you're seeing good stuff from the faces. The heels do a good enough job to stick with it. The crowd's into it, unlike other Road Wild opening matches. Mm-hmm. And better than whatever the last opening match was for WCW. But it was awful. This felt like a you know a return to, to form. Uh, it was Ernest Miller versus Disco Inferno. That's yep. right. And this feels how it should. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I've actually, no, oh God, I'll just flick back to my notes of the Bash of the Beach. And it actually takes half the page before we get to the opening match because it <laughs> goes Mean Gene, uh, a shot of the commentary desk, Mike Tanay in the junkyard, then a recap of the cat versus Disco Inferno before it gets to the match. So, yeah. They're on on the right track here as we move on to our next match, which is Harlem Heat versus Bam Bam Bigelow and Canyon. We get a video package which shows Stevie Ray out of the NWO and reform with Booker T to get the band back together. I think we're we're slowly seeing the NWO be purged from WCW. It's not going out with a bang or with a a huge storyline. It just lingers and like sort of slowly crawls over the line because at this point in time, while members of the NWO are, sh- are shedding their shirts left, right, and center, you've still got guys like Horace Hogan and stuff that is still Vincent, yeah, still proudly there. Like, no, no, this is a thing. It's so weird. Mm. We'll see one uh, more version of the NWO before WCW is over, though. Yeah. Um, so during the entrance, we see Bam Bam Bigelow drop the title. It falls off his waist. Mm. Did you see that? <laughs> yeah. That's so bad. Poor Bam Bam. Um, Canyon tries to cut a promo when he's in the ring, but he gets drowned out by throttle from the motorbikes. Um, Harlem Heat come out, and i got to say, it's a much better response this time than they did at Road Wild 1996. <laughs> I wrote that. I said, unlike prior Road Wilds, the crowd likes Harlem Heat. The only <laughs> thing I didn't like, actually, I didn't like a lot of things here, but... I didn't like Harlem Heat not wearing matching gear. Mm. They always would. Like Booker's in the black and white. Stevie Ray was in the red and yellow. It didn't look right. Did one of them forget or one of them like, you know, was like, okay, grab the red and yellow, grab the red and yellow, grab the red and yellow. And then he got home and he's like, oh, was it the black and white? Maybe it was black and white. And they're like, ah, Maybe shit. it was the black and white. Like, what's the worst that could happen? Stevie's not going to do that. Stevie's probably going to come. Ah, oh, damn it. Yeah, and each of them only bought one pair. They didn't bother to bring a backup. <laughs> this is why they learned, and they try, and they got a custom made one for Ahmed Johnson when they did <laughs> yeah. uh, when they when they did Harlem Heat two thousand. So Harlem Heat um, get the upper hand here. Uh, there's some huge scoop slams from Stevie Ray on Bigelow, and that gets a massive pop from the crowd. But it's a really slow and sort of plodding along match. It's this rest match- holds. Oh, it's leaving the ring. It's just so... It's it's almost in slow motion. This match dragged so much. I had to look it up now because I thought, am I crazy? This was the longest match on the show. But when I mm. say it was the longest match on the show, it was only 13 minutes. A whopping <laughs> Broadway 13-minute epic. This match was very, very dull. The crowd would get into Booker when he would get in there and try and, you know, wake them up with a flurry of offense. But yeah, just, um, I wrote, it's a meh match. You know, Mm. Bam Bam isn't at his best. Canyon isn't at his best. Stevie Ray is at his best. And, you know, (laughs) I've read that too. When Stevie when Stevie Ray's the one bringing you his working boots, you're in trouble. Yeah, Stevie Ray felt like he had something to prove here. He was finally <laughs> in a big match again after the NWO, and he it, shedded yeah. the the slapjack gimmick, and he's just like, right, I'm straight <laughs> onto this. 
But yeah, so Booker wins. Um, Booker gets the... Uh, oh, DDP actually interferes. Mm. With the most pointless interference you'll ever see, DDP's out. He gets knocked off the apron by Bigelow. Um, Booker then gets a missile drop kick. They get the win on Canyon. Bobby calls it a great tag match. And I wouldn't go that far, Bobby. That's He's doing Look, his best to sell it. He's doing his but, best tonight. But it is for the tag team titles. And Harlem Heat get the win the first time they've held the tag team titles in three years, which Mike Tanay is so eager to mean that this cements them as the team of the 90s mm. in 1999. To be fair, for WCW, they are the team of the 90s. Yeah, yeah. Like they've got to be. They're one of the you know best tag teams ever. They're in the WWE Hall of Fame. Um, part of the the Hall of Fame family. It's crazy that Booker T, his brother, and his wife are all in the Hall of Fame. That's pretty uh, awesome. That is pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> um. It coming up next. It is Satin and Kurt Hennig. Uh, we see a recap of their feud, and to- it almost it's. Did you pick up on that little soundbite from Tony Schiavone? He's like, "We'll see what happened on Nitro and Thunder." Like he's forgotten <laughs> Thunder yeah, exists. He forgot it exists. <laughs> Um, so Hennig makes a Uranus joke at uh, Perry Satin mm-hmm. and the revolution is a faction. Shane Douglas is back at WCW and the revolution is a thing. So the revolution would be Satin, Malenko, Douglas and Benoit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eddie, would... had... uh, Eddie was always part of the filthy animals. Oh yeah, no, no. Part. I was going to say Eddie would leave first from WCW oh, yes. and then the revolution would follow him. Except for Shane Douglas, Douglas. because he didn't trust him after 95. (laughs) He should have taken the risk. What's What's the worst that could happen? This poor guy has the worst run of luck. He's like, screw you, I'll stay in WCW. And then they go out of business. Then they go, and the best part too, I know we're going to get off on a bit of a side note here, but the best part about that is, so in 2001, after WCW closed, Benoit gets a push, Eddie becomes Latino (laughs) Heat. Perry Satin gets a mop and Dean Malenko turns into a 007 character, but in that process, revitalizes the light heavyweight division. Meanwhile, the franchise Shane Douglas ends up doing shows in Las Vegas for Rob Black, the porn porn king uh, for XPW, calling himself the franchise of XPW. Mm. I think we all know who made the right decision there. Yeah. Uh, did you also did you also pick up on the fact that WCW seems to be in full gang wars mode, a la WWF in '97 at the moment? Yeah, I mean they they had factions, but now they've got a lot of factions and throughout the whole mid card. You know, before you had the Dungeon of Doom, the Horsemen, and the NWO. Now you've got everyone's in a faction. I think mm. they really thought, you know, you don't need attitude to ride out of here, but you need a copy attitude and hope for the best. <laughs> Yeah. So the um the the West Texas Rednecks um Tanay doesn't funnily enough when the revolution come out Tanay and the commentators argue over what music is that like they don't even mention the fact that well actually I tell a lie because Mike Tanay does his absolute best to sort of mention their history in ECW without mentioning ECW which I thought was very clever. Yeah, he says they have a prior, you know, history or, you know, um association. Yeah, uh, yeah, and that's all he says. Doesn't go into details there. Uh, the Rednecks, they come out to a song, but the commentators thought it was going to be another song. Mm-hmm. They thought they were going to play a different one. And they were like, oh, oh, actually, no, it's the same one. Yeah, because the West Texas Rednecks, the West Texas Rednecks had two themes. The first one, rap is crap, and then the second one was the Good Old Boys. Mm. And they preempted like, oh, this isn't Good Old Boys, and then yeah. they got it. Like, it's. A schmozzle. That's all it is. But um, so Bobby the Brain, Tanay, and Shivani seem to really not give a damn about calling the match here. And they're, they're debating the state of pro wrestling. Did you pick up on that one? No, I missed that. I wasn't paying attention to them. <laughs> no, it doesn't look like that. Because I was just like, why are they talking about what the state of pro wrestling is? Because hmm. they keep talking about how like the revolution is there. Because they're the new guys. They're the face that are here. To, and it's just like then call the match man mm. yeah I, pick, I did actually no i did pick up on some of that i thought it was funny because they kept saying like you know they've got the support of president dusty Rhodes, and yeah. you know these guys are the future of wrestling and you know they want an opportunity and you know all all that stuff and then i started to think is that where all of this came from the mm. whole oh you know 
we're real wrestlers and we've been held down. Can we blame the revolution for 20 years of this? Because, <laughs> yes. oh, Jesus. Mm. We need a new um, story aside from that. And I'm glad now in modern times in 2023, we're out of that. Like I was just to side note quickly, watching Raw last week mm. and it finally dawned on me, I think we're finally done with that. Every yeah. uh, Every character now, is just a character and they either hate someone or they want to become champion. That's it. That's it. Not, yep. Oh, but I busted my ass for 20 years on the indies or whatever. No. Yeah. Oh, yeah. you held me down because I don't have the look. None of that. We did that for 20 years. Let's not yeah. do it again. Yeah. Now it's all, it's back to catchphrases and, uh, and, Damn straight. and, and mocking people. Side <laughs> note, if you haven't seen the Miz interview, no one, as John Cena, make the John Cena's invisible joke on Raw. Do yourself a favor. It's a fantastic, like <laughs> only the Miz could pull it off. It's so good. Uh, yeah, that's right. I said it. The Miz. He's the Miz. good. Um, so uh, the match is, I've written down here, this match seems to be like a CPU versus CPU match in WWF Attitude. It just happens. Yeah. And there's just moves with no thought or uh, any reason. And then it just ends. Hmm. It just, yeah, Malenko, just Malenko puts Hennig in a clover leaf. That gets broken up. There's more shenanigans. Douglas then clears house. Saturn gets it out of nowhere. Saturn gets a Death Valley driver, gets the win, and the fight continues and the revolution stand tall at the end. Mm, yeah, a bit of a brawl and then it just ends. And they all go home. The only interesting thing about this was Bobby Heenan mentioned that he managed every one of the West Te Texas Rednecks dads yeah. in their careers. <laughs> That's kind of cool. It's a fun fact. Yeah, which is that that's literally the best of it. And we move on to our next match. And I don't know if it was like this on the copy that you're watching, but there was a really bad MIDI sort of ringtone dubbed over the cat's theme for uh because obviously I'm guessing you use the James Brown music in this. Yeah. One. Terrible dub. Awful, awful dub. But yeah, so the cat comes out. Mike Tanay, it's the cat versus Buff Bagwell, and somehow because of this, Mike Tanay suggesting this could be a breakthrough victory for Buff Bagwell that could lead him to championship glory. Yeah, why is Buff slumming it on the lowest of low? He's Buff Bagwell. He's been in the NWO. He's like probably a tag champ or something. Yeah. Like, come on. He doesn't have yeah. to beat the cat. The cat has to beat him. Even prior to the NWO, the whole big deal was Marcus Bagwell's just... He's just abandoned the American males exactly. to join the NWO. <laughs> exactly. I thought he was always, you know, up and coming. He's better than the cat in the standings. Um, what mm. about the cat wearing Confederate flag gloves? I've that was so confusing. That. I don't even know where the heat is meant to be for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Buff is very over, though. They love him. He does promo, says, you know, cat can kiss all their asses and whatever. Mm. And the crowd chants pussy cat at the cat. That's kind of fun. <laughs> Look, to be yep. fair, Buff was such a good 90s uh, baby face and the cat was so hated. The yep. crowd is at least into this. Like, this is the simplest match on the show, but the crowd understands it because it's, you know, not the normal wrestling crowd. And they yep. got over. It's not a good match, but the crowd enjoyed it. Yeah. 99, this is peak Buff Bagwell. This is like, it doesn't get any better for Buff after this. <laughs> <laughs> which is sad they dropped the ball again with him a few times it's really he's really one of the biggest um like what what ifs, ifs. Yeah. yeah especially and i know we're going going off on a tangent here but i always like if there was anyone that was built for success in the wwe it's buff bagwell yeah it made oh it's such a shame yeah so the uh we've also learned a couple of things uh after watching this match and that is if if the bikies want to boo you they don't boo they rev their motorbikes mm, yeah they love it uh so the commentators are doing their absolute best to sell how how important this match is in the rankings of wcw which is a thing that no one has ever mentioned ever yeah no one's ever mentioned top five top ten <laughs> ever before this match yeah but buff clearly he's uh ranked right at the bottom and he needs to beat <laughs> the cat yeah so sunny ono has a he's the the, the finish is sunny on Sonny Ono on an apron. Jeez, try to say that 10 times. <laughs> uh, with a briefcase. Uh, and the cat goes to Irish whip Buff into it, but Buff reverses it. And then the cat gets taken out by Sonny Ono. And then that's the win. But post-match, we see Sonny Ono and the cat beat down Buff. 
and Sonny Ono even mocks Buff Bagwell's taunt. I can't believe Buff lost this match and then didn't even get heat back. He just got beat up by Sonny Ono and Cat. <laughs> yeah, maybe he really did need this win more than you think. But what a funny yeah. visual, though. Sonny Ono beating up Buff while Buff's theme music is still playing. They didn't cut it the whole beat down. Yeah. They're just playing Buff's music, which is really upbeat and positive. And, you know, <laughs> Buff, Daddy. Daddy, I'm yeah, buff, as he's I'm getting totally Buff. And he's just getting beat up. It's so funny. <laughs> Yeah, next up, it is DDP versus Chris Benoit. And weirdly, one of the, one of the big driving points of this is DDP's talking smack about Benoit's mother. Yeah, that was really weird. And uh, look, I'll tell you what, though. Got Benoit fired up. We see a clip oh, yeah. in the recap, and it's the only time he's fired up in a promo in WCW. So yeah, Don't you dare make a yo mama joke to, to Chris Benoit. <laughs> Um, so DDP just for good measure at the start of the match whips out another yo mama joke about Benoit's mum and then Benoit gets the upper hand early and we head out to the floor and we're reminded it's a no DQ match but um, I thought this was pretty good Um, DDP it's also good but depressing at the same time because they remind you that DDP is a WCW Grand Slam champion which Mm. I don't think anyone has ever mentioned about any accolades in WCW no, he's a Grand Slam champion. He's also a two-time world heavyweight champion. And that was only recently. And he's already back down the card, uh, you know, in the triad who are a mid-card stable. And mm. is he a wrestling Benoit for the US title? Like, which is fine, but not so soon after you were wrestling for the world Literally. title. You're not going to see yeah. Hogan or, uh, you know, Flair or Goldberg or Sting do that right away. Even Nash. Nash, Nash never went back. Nash never went back. Once he had the, uh, yeah, he only downgraded, funnily enough, to the tag team title with DDP. So maybe yeah, he's the DDP anchor. dragged him down. Exactly. <laughs> oh, well, this was the best match on the show, though. Like, it wasn't amazing. It was 12 minutes. Both mm. guys did at least moves and reversals and got the crowd into it. Um, Saw a bit of uh, interference from the triad, too. Yeah, and, and they said it was no DQ. It's not a hardcore match. They don't really take advantage of no DQ. I think it was just for the ending where the revol- uh, sorry the triad runs out, but the revolution don't help Benoit because they're like, no, no, he's got it. Come on, Chris, you've got it. And he does have it. He fights off mm. the interference and just wins. So the yeah. triad couldn't win with interference in their tag match and couldn't win with interference uh, in the singles match. Yeah. And the the cutaway where it's got it on split screen of just the revolution still in their ring gear mm. watching Benoit is such an odd visual. But standing uh, over the production guy in a headset <laughs> and they're like, "Come on, Chris!" And the poor guy is just trying to do his job. What about Mike Tenay in this match? Benoit does uh, a baseball slide, and Mike Tenay says, "Oh, Benoit with a sliding baseball style drop kick." Could have just said baseball slide. Baseball slide. <laughs> it's two words. Easier. I don't This commentary in terms of play-by-play was not good here. There was a lot of front leg back kicks. <laughs> Did you notice that as well? Like there was a yeah. lot of front leg back kicks. They didn't know what half these moves were. They were just winging it. Um, no, but but again, right. this... not a bad match at all. Yeah, clearly the uh, w- it's few and far between when it comes to good matches here on this card. But uh, now before we get on to the next match, we've got to talk about this little uh, segment here because we, we can't really crap all over it because the WWF have done something similar also on pay-per-view. But um, we give, we they're basically giving away a uh, a motorcycle. So mm. they crossed it to Chad from, I can't remember his last name. Chad, Chad Damiani. From... <laughs> yeah, Chad Damiani from WCW.com. He draws the winner of a bike. Uh, Road Wild is just, it's just such an odd little thing, isn't it? Yeah, but they kept saying that, you know, he's from the... um, Cleveland, doesn't it? The website. Oh, sorry. I was going to say Chad is from WCW.com, which is all fine. I'm sure he does good job, you know, good job there. But in terms of being a a host, he's not very good. No, Uh, no. Maybe definitely he like... not, uh, definitely not Todd Pettingill. No, being able no. to bullshit his way through one of these segments and getting the CEO of Ironhide, whose name escapes me, is definitely a hell of a downgrade compared to Sonny and Sable. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> so they gave away a bike. Congratulations. But then what's even funnier is for some reason, Bobby the Brain just starts crapping all over the, the winner. Like, good work, Donnell. <laughs> he kept, no, he kept laughing about his name. He kept, you yeah. couldn't believe his name and he kept making fun of the guy's name. I'm trying to look up the name of the winner. It was, yeah, Darnell something, but he would Darnell not get over Darnell from Cleveland. It. Yeah. Mm. I, and, it, yeah, it was it was just weird. It's so strange. But um, Darnell what, what Squatter. You... <laughs> okay. Okay, I'm reading here. Okay, so t- they announce it as Darnell Potter. Mm-hmm. And it says here, Heenan thought they said Darnell Squatter. And he kept laughing at that. <laughs> All right so weird it's not like and the winner is ip freely yeah then, yeah then by all means laugh away but hey uh, also look, on this it, segment why was this chad guy doing it and where the hell was mean gene this feels or like mark mean madden gene or someone done it. but we didn't get mean gene even with the um the hotline anywhere normally yeah. he comes to sturgis doesn't he yeah he does Hmm. Yeah, because remember the first time he, he had that ridiculous leather. <laughs> <laughs> it's so odd. Yeah, so next up, it is Sting versus Sid. We get a video recap of the uh, the feud so far. And remember how I said at the start, we're, we're all intertwined between Sting, Goldberg, and Hulk Hogan, and Sid, Rick Steiner, and Kevin Nash. That's not the most telegraphed I could give you of what's going to happen later. Well... I can't really help you too far. But remember now, Sting, not Sting, sorry, Sid is being portrayed as the Millennium Man mm. for, for reasons. Whatever that means, he's the uh, man of the Millennium. Um, mm-hmm. He's going to beat Goldberg's win streak. That's the story. Um, and they keep saying, they're like, oh, you know, we should check where he's up to. He could be catching up to Goldberg. How could he be catching up to Goldberg? <laughs> It's yeah, geez. Only been a couple um, of months. Um, Sting at this point in time is also the president of WCW. Uh, in some very confusing circumstances, they did try to explain it, but now he's also not the president of WCW because he wants to focus on being an active wrestler. At that point in time, why do they even bring up that he won being president of WCW? I don't know. Were they going for like a Stone Cold was you know the CEO of the WWF type thing? Yeah, pretty much. Mm. Because they also completely forget that Charles Robinson was Little Nate. Yeah, they've got to do some like, oh, no, no, he's only bad when he refs the Ric Flair matches. They try yeah. and mention that. None of yeah. it makes and sense. Ri- and Ric Flair was only bad because he was president and a corrupt president, but now it's Sting. But mm. Sting's no longer the president. Dusty Rhodes is. Dusty like, Rhodes is. Just Right, okay, makes no sense. But anyway, so Sid, I've written down here, is like an AI wrestler. He he moves to where he's meant to be, takes the moves that he should, but it's very much like someone said, hey, chat GPD, please give me a play-by-play of what would happen if Sid was to take on Sting. Yeah, not much happens. Poor old chat GPT doesn't come up with much here. <laughs> no. With <laughs> chat SID. He doesn't do anything in this match. <laughs> <laughs> the match only goes for about 10 minutes and I thought it started hot. Sting's on a flurry. He does, you know, splashes and blah, blah, blah. I thought they were going to keep it quick. And, and yeah, um Sid to the outside. Yeah, I thought they were going to have, you know, just a fun five minutes. It then grinds to a halt. Sid takes over and it's so slow. Um, Sting does the comeback and he does the... um. Oh, Sid's down, and then Sting gets dizzy, and then he headbutts him in the balls. They do that mm-hmm. spot. And then the match, like someone suddenly called them and said, wrap it up right now. It ends in one move. Sting runs at Sid. Sid, Sid chokeslams him, yeah. and it's over. Well, it, It's kind of impressive because Sid basically catches Sting doing a Stinger splash mm. and then chokeslams him and then gets a pin straight away. Yeah, no, it looked cool, but it just happened out of nowhere. Yeah. This is Sting. Like, isn't Sting meant to kick up and, you know, hulk up and whatever? (laughs) No, no, yeah. Yeah, because it's it's very much... Even the crowd was just like, that is it. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) That is it. um, And just when we think that all of a sudden, work rate fans, you're in luck. Because up Mm. next, it is 
single I've written down specifically Rick Steiner brackets singles versus Goldberg and all I can say is I've written down here this was peak WCW International Nitro Wrestling fandom for me um unfortunately Goldberg's WWE theme is overdubbed Megadeth's Crushem which is uh a little oh, bit is that what he was using at the time okay yeah mm. Mm. I guess they didn't want to pay no <laughs> Uh, which also means that if if Goldberg ever goes to AEW, you know that Tony Khan's going to shell out for Crusher. Ooh, yeah, I guess he would. Yeah, because I he think used that's on a studio and... album. He'd be able to. And he used Seek and Destroy for Sting. Yeah. So he's definitely going to be doing that. Oh, yeah, okay. Yes. So anyway, this, this match is kind of... Uh, I've, I've written here. Goldberg still only has one loss in his entire WCW career, and that was to Kevin Nash. But he's also wrestling pretty snug. Mm. Oh, him and Rick Steiner, they start the match with a brawl and they're beating the crap out of each other, which is kind of entertaining. It then just turns into nothing. It's only five minutes long. I don't believe Rick Steiner in as a character. Obviously, he's a tough guy or whatever, but I don't believe him in this role, in this spot on the card. Um at one point, Rick takes Goldberg's knee brace off and uses it as a weapon multiple times. He even mm-hmm. uses it as like a glove and hits Goldberg with it. I kept thinking, how is it not a DQ? And then Tony Schiavone tried Shivani explaining explains. it. He said, it's not a DQ because it's not a foreign object. It was approved to be in the ring because one of the competitors was wearing it. Therefore, it can be legal. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Mm. But I think Tony was like, I've got a cover for this because this is dumb. Let me just yeah. come up with some some type of logic. Because not only does Mickey J watch Rick Steiner remove the knee brace, mm. he then watches him hit Goldberg with said knee brace, then put it on his arm like like a Iron terminated Man. <laughs> yeah, like Iron that, Man yeah. style, and then beat the crap out of him with it and then to the head and all that sort of stuff with the knee brace. Hmm. And then Goldberg just gets a spear, a jackhammer, and that's about it. Yeah, he just comes back, hits his moves, and it's over. Not a big comeback. He hits three moves. He does the power slam press thing, spear, jackhammer, it's over. Hmm. But anyway, Rick Steiner sucks, so who cares that he got squashed? Yeah, yeah. Um. Uh, this real this this is the worst part about this is there's going to be more Rick Steiner singles matches that we're probably going to have to watch at some point in time. Anyway, uh, next up, Dennis Rodman is back, and all I could say is between Dennis Rodman returning in '99 and feuding with midlife crisis Macho Man Randy Savage, boy, that if that doesn't like you know fill up fill up your wrestling cup, I don't know what will. <laughs> I'd rather see footage of these two out on the town. Yeah. I feel like that would have been more interesting. This is how disinterested I was at this build-up because I've actually written down a, um, a question that I wanted to ask you. Do you remember when Dennis Rodman came down under and wrestled those IWA shows with Kurt Hennig in like maybe 2001 2000 like before the global warning tour came down here i remember they happened but i didn't go to them neither did i i didn't either it was probably happening like you know like a coburg rsl (laughs) or something but i just remember dennis rodman coming down here because wwf down under was doing their absolute best at the time to be like hey live wrestling guys yeah i remember seeing the the ads you know around for it we really are spoiled for choice now aren't we (laughs) i know it's so much better now thank god but Dennis Rodman and Randy Savage, I don't remember this match happening at all. Mm. Uh, and that shows you how Dennis Rodman, who got him one of the highest buy rates for the tag match with Carl Malone, DDP and Hogan, you put him in here with Savage with no build, with like no real momentum behind it. And it doesn't mean anything. You know, it's a waste of Randy Savage and a waste of Rodman. Mm. Um, this was, yeah, not great. To be fair, um, the the nineteen ninety nine Chicago Bulls are kind of a pretty good indication of where Dennis Rodman's at with his career. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, the glory days are, are winding down. He's still great, but maybe not, maybe not anymore in terms of you know big success. 
Can we take a moment, though, to appreciate just how good Macho Man Randy Savage's attire was? He looked good. He was thought, just... I thought Dennis Rodman's um, fancy robe was cool. That was a different look. <laughs> yeah. He came out yeah, in a wh- massive hooded robe, and he looked drunk underneath it, too. When when Macho, when Midlife Crisis Macho Man Randy Savage is the one where it's like, I think that was a more subdued option. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wearing, you know, the shirt, he looked good. So what did you think, like... The only thing that stood out in this match was there's a couple of things here that stood out in this match because thankfully it's short but sweet. Well, not short but sweet. It still drags on for a bit, but they cram a lot of crap into it. Um, so Rodman starts off with a hell of a promo that basically says that he's going to make. Um, he calls Savage his bitch. What, hang on, what, what is he no, doing? No, he calls Gorgeous George gorgeous his George. bitch because he says, "Where's my bitch?" That's right. So then Randy Savage says, "I'm going to make you my bitch." Yeah, he says, no, he says, I'm going to make you my bitch and the crowd is going to fight for sloppy seconds. Which yes. I thought that was a pretty good comeback. Um, <laughs> what a weird exchange for a WCW show because normally they're more family friendly. Mm. So this the the thing that I that I thought was always interesting, anytime that Carl Malone or anyone was, was in the ring here, they always in kayfabe explain how they can be such good wrestlers because because they're athletes. And that kind of makes sense. I like that K-Bag explanation. Yeah. However, it, him getting the the upper hand over Macho Man Randy Savage is just pushing my suspension disbelief just a little bit. Yeah, in a one-on-one match, it's not a tag. You know, he didn't have a wrestler wear him down. And Randy Savage is, you know, one of the craziest, the most dangerous man, like they keep saying. And Dennis Rodman's just going toe-to-toe with him. Which, that must have come from Randy Savage, because he wouldn't Hmm. do this if he didn't want to play along. So he must have been willing to go along with it, thought it was a good idea. And you know what? It's a sloppy brawl. It's not great, but it's kind of entertaining as a freak show. It was at least fast-paced. More fast-paced than you would think. They brawl everywhere, around the ring, everywhere. I think they knock out four referees throughout the match. Four referees are taken out. A, a WCW cameraman, Ross Foreman, who they name. Oh, from WCW magazine. And they're, they're <laughs> so shattered that Ross Foreman has been, you know, <laughs> robbed of his camera. They say Ross Foreman about six times there. <laughs> uh, we move up the ramp. They head out to the back as well and start fighting there as Savage throws Rodman into a portaloo, then tips it over. Mm. Uh, Doug Dillinger is then also out to get them back to the ring. Um, we have our final ref bump as Gorgeous George comes out. Nick Patrick is now the final ref. A Savage has a, what have I written here? An onion? That can't be right. <laughs> Chain. Chain. <laughs> I wish he beat him with an onion. <laughs> All right, I'm brother, just you can get offense on me, but I'm going to beat you with an onion. And that's how he I've... I've just written chain in the worst possible writing that I thought that <laughs> the C H A I N was an O N I O. Yeah. This ending but... was hilarious though. Not only did he hit him with the chain, but gorgeous George runs out. She low blows Rodman. Then mm-hmm. Savage hits him with the chain. Like Rodman couldn't look more like a chump here. <laughs> he just <got laughs> beat down. Yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty crazy. So here's the thing. Rodman gets knocked out. Savage goes for the pin. And I've got to say the MVP of this match is the WCW cameraman because Savage, uh, because Dennis Rodman is so close to the edge of the ring that his arm is basically hanging out, but the cameraman sort of crops it out. <laughs> that's the, the cameraman own, that's... didn't want to want this match to go any longer. He's like, ah, oh, <laughs> yeah. I won't show that. It's like, we're going to take this home guys. We're going to take this home. <laughs> yeah. So look, it... I don't even want to say I was sports entertained. It was just, it was a, it it was inoffensively bad. Mm. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Mm. Finally, we have our main event, which is Kevin Nash versus Hulk Hogan, not Hollywood Hogan. It's a retirement match. Um, We see the, when you watch the video package where it just shows the snippets from, um, from Nitro and Thunder or whatever, you're right. It really is. It just seems like someone decided one day that I'm just going to change a tire on Hogan and make Nash a heel in universe mode. Yeah. What is going on? Why did any of this happen? Just suddenly. They mentioned that um, 
Hulk Hogan's son, Nick Hogan, was the one hmm. who gave him the red and yellow back um, and, you know, gave him the power of Hulkamania back. And, I, okay, that's that's all it took. Mm. Uh, Michael Buffer's back. He's doing pretty well without the cue cards too, which uh, is a testament to himself. Mm. Kevin Nash comes out first and he's called the best big man in the business. And No, he's all... rated as the best big man best. in the business. Sorry. Everyone's right. rating him the best big man in history. And all every we mentioned that this is a retirement match, but Michael Buffer has used his own spin on it. This is for all the fame and glory on the line. Mm, all that fame and all that. I think they tried explaining the stipulation to Buffer and he just nodded along. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's really interesting. Wow, wow, Sounds wow. That's good. Fame and glory. glory. <laughs> <laughs> um, so here's a, here's a little fun part. Um, Hulk Hogan then comes out next and it dawned on me. We've got ourselves a full circle, uh, a full circle mode. Because on the on the poster to Hogwild in 1996, it's got red and yellow Hulk Hogan on a hog, but it's Hollywood Hogan there. Finally, finally, Hulk Hogan has come to Sturgis. That's it. The real red and yellow. They were promised him so many years ago, and we <laughs> finally got it. You know, the legend, the Hulk. Hogan. I got to say, the crowd is very into red and yellow Hulk Hogan. As they would be in WWE again when they bring him back in 02. People Mm. wanted, you know, they loved the nostalgia. You can say that it was passe, but after the break, I think the crowds were into it, especially in the WWE again. These last couple of times they tried in WCW, it's iffy, but here it works. Yeah. Um, And also, I will say the only one thing that's weird, Hogan Mm. has been in the long tights for so long as Hollywood, (laughs) and he would go back to the long tights. This was like him thinking, oh, I can pull off the trunks again, brother. He looks so uh-uh. weird in trunks for some reason. Yeah. It looks really, really strange because his body doesn't look the same as 94 Hogan or ninety or like 91 Hogan. He's not as he thick cl- anymore, anymore. Yeah. But he clearly thinks that he <laughs> thought that he could pull it off. You're right. It's like it's like if I didn't run for a for like two years and thought oh, I could do I could do another ten k that'd be right. And I signed myself up for a marathon. Yeah, Hogan didn't uh, want to risk that. Although Hogan being Hulk Hogan again and not Hollywood means American Made is back. The first time mm-hmm. we get to hear it on the show. Uh, oh yeah. For people who don't know, American Made is the Jimmy Hart, uh, you know, WCW. No, I don't want to say knockoff version. I want to say companion piece to Real American from the WWF. It I is... was going to say, tri- yeah, I was going to say tribute piece. <laughs> it's a tribute piece. It's <laughs> similar in vibe and similar in melody, but in that Jimmy Hart way, he changes it just enough not to get sued because <laughs> it's like he's got the red, white, and blue running in his veins. I was doing some reading though. So this was Jimmy Hart and JJ Maguire, who of course, part of the wrestling boot band with Hulk Hogan mm-hmm. for that album. But anyway, I-, I think we've discussed this before on shows, but everyone gives credit for Jim Johnston having written every WWE theme song ever in history. And then we sort of tried, we looked, you know, we've, known this for a bit we were saying jimmy hart actually wrote most of yeah. the famous ones because i remember hearing a podcast with jim johnston and it was hilarious because the dude kept asking him and he's like oh tell me about sean michaels theme song and he was like oh i didn't write that one i was like oh what about brett hart's one i didn't write that one either Fuck, jimmy yeah. hart wrote most of them i'm looking yeah. at a list here jj mcguire who also did american made did 90 percent of the wwe theme songs that people love legion of doom sexy boy mm. demolition uh owen hart's theme song all american boys the dusty roads one the the mounty the million dollar man cool cocky bad the honky tonk man so all of these songs that everyone just says oh jim johnston must have wrote that no he didn't give jj yeah. mcguire some credit but i will say this jim johnston did write the ultimate warriors theme and for that he can get he can, that's his that's been his meal ticket forever. <laughs> no, no, you know what? He wrote the Undertaker's theme. 
That's yeah. that's kind of the one year. But yeah, isn't that kind of just feels like it existed somewhere? Exactly. I, I have a feeling that it he kind of repurposed it. The ministry taker, I will that's that's a banger, but yeah, the 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 one where he's uh, because I always remember the clip that I always use. Like he manages to find the essence of the restaurant, put it out into music, and he always uses the uh, the Ultimate Warriors theme as an example. Yeah. So from that, you think like, oh, sexy boy, Shawn Michaels makes sense. No, you know, like Million Dollar Man. Yeah, makes it. Yeah, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Although when when you kind of know the difference, there is a difference. So Jim Johnston mm. did. You know, The Undertaker, The Warrior, Stone Cold's music, The Rock's music. It's more just an instrumental. Whereas Jimmy Hart and JJ Maguire, these guys wrote songs. You know what I mean? Like The Sexy Boy, it's a song. The Million Dollar Man, it's a song. The Mountie is a song. Like, it's more fun, I think. Which it also makes me, now that we're talking about it, I really wish that, if if that's the case, I wish that Jimmy Hart wrote Yokozuna's theme because it would be so much better than what we got. (laughs) It would have been because he sucks. Actually, you know whose song really he would have done a better one for? Diesel. Yes. Instead of just the honking or the remix where it's a harmonica, Jimmy Hart would have written a song about being Mm. a truck and going down a highway. Going down a highway or something like, you know, 18 wheels of justice or something like that. Yeah, Yeah, because Diesel's first theme was just like the truck revving and... Yeah. That, that's it. And then, look, I'll give Jim Johnston credit. He wrote Razor Ramones theme song. That one's a good yeah. one. Yeah. Which yeah, is basically, if you listen closely, Stone Cold's music is just Razor Ramones music. It's really, I've, really similar. I've never put two and two together with that. I have to, see, I can't, now I can't do that because every time. No. It's very similar. Yeah. It's very similar. No, because, and I'll tell you to do this afterwards, look up. Um, Scott Hall's TNA theme, Marvelous Me, because it's basically a Jimmy Hart. It's just like it's out of the dun 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 dun. It's dun 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 dun. It's so good. But anyway, as you can see, this match is so good. That's 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 how. Uh, okay, okay, I'll just put down this note. Hogan is back in red and yellow, so because of that, he's wrestling like it's WrestleMania three. However. The crowd's eating it up and you can't go like, if that's what they want to see, then he's doing everything right. Yeah. I will say this match. Yeah. The crowd was fully into it because what they did, it was the first straight up red and yellow Hulk Hogan match in a few years. So all they did, this is the most basic Hulk Hogan match you've ever seen. They follow the formula. They start with a test of strength. Uh, Nash takes over at one point. Nash, is on offense for the whole match until the powerbomb. Hulk Hogan hmm. hulks up, three punches, Irish whip, big boot, leg drop. It's over. There is nothing to talk about here. This is the most basic Hulk Hogan match. Hmm. And you know what? It's what the crowd wanted to see. It, it really is. And th- what I found really funny too is like, so Kevin Nash is still doing like Nash 99 things, like where he frames it up in the corner. But clearly, '80s Hogan is is completely <laughs> overwrites that. So it, it's an interesting sort of match. Also, Tony Schiavone referring to the NWO in the past tense is just so bizarre. It is weird. He also calls Hulk Hogan the greatest athlete we've ever seen in our lifetime, or whatever. Which again, he's been <laughs> crapping on him for years at this point, calling him disgusting, and now he loves him. Um, yeah, it's an odd match uh, in that. There's nothing to talk about except mm. for American made Hogan poses at the end. So it feels like an old WWF show. Uh, and then they go off the air and that's it. Kevin Nash's career is over. It's weird because um, like, did we point out, did you point out that um, Hogan also kicked out of the jackknife? Yeah. Yeah. That's where the match ends. He gets yeah, jackknife. Yeah. Hulks up and it's over. He, he, like, that's the most devastating. Like, that's they've sold that move for so long that he just shrugs it off like it's nothing. It's like, it's, it's ultimate worry with the pedigree levels of no selling. Mm, Yeah. He just goes, like, okay, yeah, whatever. Yeah. I mean, it's not as bad as beating Triple H in two minutes, but yeah. Yeah. Might as well be. I don't think Kevin uh, Nash would have cared at all at this point. I, 
honestly reckon Nash was just happy to get a couple of months off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, the big Burton leg drop gets the win. Hogan celebrates as Tony Schiavone goes full. I'm talking. We always talk about how Tony Schiavone has like so much hyperbole with the, uh, mm. um, you know, like it's the greatest night in the history of our sport. Tony Schiavone selling Hulkamania is just another, it's just another next level thing. Yeah. He also says this is the greatest title reign of Hulk Hogan's career. And then he tries <laughs> backing down from that because I think he knows that's rubbish. And he's like, oh, in terms of, you know, the injuries and setbacks that he's worked through. Come on. This guy was like world champion for four years straight. He was also world champion five times before he even came into WCW. <laughs> I know, exactly. He had some pretty good ones over there. He's had good ones here. He was champion for like, what, two years? I don't know. Yeah. Yep. So that basically wraps up Road Wild because it, it fades to black with uh, Hogan celebrating. And that's about it. Mm. That's Road Wild in a nutshell. All four Road Wilds. And you'd be hard pressed to find which one of those were any good. Yeah. Like if you if you were to do a best of Road Wild, like what would you do? Like you'd struggle. There was that match. Was it X Park versus Ric Flair? That was pretty good. I think that was at a Road Wild. I don't know. Hmm. Um, yeah, maybe the Outsiders. They probably had a good match once. Yeah, actually, no. Yeah, there. The Harlem Heat match with the racist one, that was a pretty good match as well. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, it's, just, yeah. it's, it's just a shame that the crowd was... So I guess you could compile a couple of things. But yeah, look, if it was, it's pretty hard to also pick an MVP for this match. I struggled. Oh, for this all, show. I could think of was, all I could think of was the revolution as a collective. Yeah. Their tag match wasn't good, though. Yeah. Eddie Guerrero for being back. You know what? Eddie yeah. Guerrero for, for being back and getting a good match out of the ICP and getting the bikey crowd into it and, you know, being Eddie Guerrero. Mm. He yeah, tried. So, yeah, so, and thus ends the storied legacy of uh, Road Wild. Uh, all in all, it wasn't as horrible of pay-per-views as you've seen on WCW. However, it's this just goes to show how the mighty have fallen but it's also a weird one to judge up against because when we looked at Bash of the Beach, there were so many good Bash... Well, there was two good Bash of the Beaches that we could compare yeah. it to. Whereas we haven't had a good Road Wild. This was just no. a bad idea, full stop, to have bikies that don't care about wrestling be forced to watch wrestling <laughs> for three hours. A bad idea that they wouldn't back down on and wouldn't try and improve. They just mm. did it the same every year. Nothing was fixed... It was just the same. WWE, for all their faults, people crapped on the first Saudi show. They mm -hmm. course corrected as time went on. Now those shows are just pay-per-views and they're yeah. good. Like they, and... they treat them and put them together like a normal show. It's fine. And they've course corrected so much that it even gets to the point where it's just like uh, the Oscar and Bianca Belair match on the Saudi pay-per-view was actually really good. Like... Yeah, yeah no, there's nothing. Yeah, exactly. Everyone is just normal where there's like, oh, there's three matches on the Saudi show. You don't even like women's matches. You don't even mm. question it now. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's pretty insane. But um, next up, we have got, uh, we've got SummerSlam 1999, which is a coming of age uh, pay-per-view for the WWF in the Attitude Era. It's pretty, pretty um, groundbreaking and also has Jesse the Body Ventura. Hmm. I... I'm dreading this one. One of my least favorite WWE pay-per-views of all time. And I, what's annoying is that two of them uh, in 1999, we've already seen one of them, King of the Ring. I was mm -hmm. right on that. It still wasn't good. I have a feeling this still won't be good. Like there are only a couple of pay-per-views that I can remember as a kid watching and thinking, I know as a kid who isn't a smart fan or blah, blah, blah. I know mm. objectively this show isn't good. And I'm pretty sure... Actually, sorry, three of them. What am I? Three. Armageddon? Um, no, I was going to say WrestleMania 15. Oh. 1999. WWE is so weird. The Some of the big four shows weren't good, and then they would fix it a month later. Armageddon 99 oh, has to be. That's another one. Like, you want to talk about, like, I reckon oh, 99. Survivor Series 99 sucks too. Royal Rumble 99 is the only good big five pay-per-view. 
And even then, that's considered one of the worst Royal Rumbles. Too. I know. We're being generous. <laughs> yeah, 99 is very much uh, Russo-ific. It uh, is. Although, t- although, to be fair, 2000, they course correct really well. 2000 is amazing. On paper. But 99, though, it's funny. So Royal Rumble 99, even if you don't like it, Valentine's Day Massacre is awesome. WrestleMania mm-hmm. 15, if you don't like it, Backlash, Backlash. is awesome. <laughs> King of the Ring, you don't like it? Fully loaded. Fully awesome. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm pretty sure. Oh my the... god! Because yeah, after SummerSlam, it's No Mercy. Oh, No Mercy is a good show. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> it's the same right. thing. I don't know. They were like, oh no, no, sorry. <laughs> You're right. You're the right. The only one I... they really mess up is yeah, Survivor Series into Armageddon. But then, if you look at the next two pay-per-views, uh, Royal Rumble 2000 and No Way Out, no Way Out 2000, two of the best. It's So, and just continuing that pattern too. So, Royal Rumble, awesome. No Way Out, awesome. WrestleMania, shits the bed. Backlash 2000, probably the best. Ba- I, go, I yeah. still get that as the best Backlash <laughs> they ever. They go way over the top. And then it's <laughs> yeah. off to the races from there. 2000, I can't wait. Yeah, it's going to be pretty good. But yeah, if you'd like to catch up on any of the previous Road Wilds, I don't know why you would, but you can <laughs> by going to greywolfentertainment.net. Make sure you follow us on the socials at greywolfent is where you can find us. I've been Nims Azor for Simon Tackler. We have been reliving the war and we'll catch you next time. This has been another presentation from the Grey Wolf Entertainment Network, greywolfentertainment.net.